Dan. Son, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay, Dad. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing today, Papa? Josh, Dan, I'm fine, thanks to Calvary. So we're going to study something about salvation again today. I'm excited about that. Dan, start us off. Folks, this is uh, our third episode as we continue exploring salvation. Um, Probably won't be the last, but uh, maybe one more after this. But uh, again, our, our focus in these episodes has been trying to look at what does the Bible say about salvation? Uh, we want to avoid our opinions as much as possible. Of course, we'll, we'll talk about what we've read. But uh, we want to avoid any doctrinal teachings uh, because we don't want to align with any particular uh, denomination of the Christian faith. And then uh, we, we just really want to see what the Bible says about salvation. So uh, this evening, uh, I'm going to start by uh, reading a little bit out of Romans chapter 10, and talk about that just a little bit. Um, I'm uh, just wanted to focus on uh, just a segment here, and then, then we'll talk about context of it, and then uh, we'll start talking to, to Josh and Dad. But again, tonight's focus that I wanted to start with first was uh, I wanted to ask the question, is salvation formulaic? So must you do one, two, three to be saved? You know, it's uh, the environment that I grew up in. Most people, quote unquote, get saved by going to church. That's step one. Step two. And while you're in a church service, there would be something that happens at the end of the service called an altar call. So then at the altar call, then you would go to the front of the church, and then at the front of the church, you would, you may uh, uh, kneel at an altar. Uh, you may have someone come alongside of you and pray with you, and then they're going to pull out a Bible, and they're going to walk you through some scriptures in the Bible to uh, quote unquote lead you to salvation. So those those are the expressions and the uh, the method that was typical. So bear in mind, I'm saying typical. It's you, you hear all kinds of other stories about salvation stories, but um, just wanted to kind of start there because I, I think, especially in our community, a lot of people are familiar with that model. So wanted to talk about that for just a minute. So let's start in uh, Romans chapter 10. So in Romans chapter 10, uh, Paul, of course, is writing to the church at Rome. What's fascinating is he's writing to Christians, okay? So he's writing to a body of believers that's at a geographic location called Rome, and that body of believers is called a church. So we collectively, as Christians, are all part of the church, but this is specifically the body of believers at an area called uh, a, a city called Rome. So as he's writing to them, I wanted to focus on uh, verse 10, because verse 10 is often used in this uh, method of of leading someone to salvation. Uh, And I wanted to talk about verse 10 for a minute, and then we're going to go back and want to hit Romans 3, Romans 5, and Romans 6 real quick, because those are usually other chapters, and some verses from those are used in the Romans Road. So we'll, we'll talk about this in just a second. But in verse chapter 10, verse 10, uh, again, I'm reading from the ESV, and the ESV reads it this way. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So in KJV, I memorized this as a kid, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So... Uh, it, it, did I quote that correctly, Dad? I know you're. We did. Yeah, that's okay. it. Exactly. The, the so, NIV. Josh, if you got. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. The NIV says, "For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, as with your mouth that you profess uh, your faith and are saved." Okay. So, if, if you've been listening past couple of podcasts, uh, I, my focus uh, is on this word "belief," or how that uh, one believes with justification. So what's fascinating for me is, and and we'll get into it in a minute, we'll explore these verses, 
But uh, you will find that there is this process that you go through the Romans Road methodology where you're showing the person that they're lost, that they that they are a sinner. So there's nothing wrong with that. But again, bear in mind, Paul wrote the book of Romans to the church. So uh, I think he's in this, he's, he's still dealing with sin in the church. There's, there's body of believers, uh, some of which may not actually have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So, it, and, and you're going to hear me shift gears just a little bit. We're using the word of uh, belief, uh, and, and we're talking about belief, but the belief is anchored in something called faith. And, and we'll discuss what this is, because as Josh has highlighted previously, you know, even the, even the demons know who Jesus is. They know who God is. Uh, I, I would argue they were created by God. Uh, so, of course, they know their creator, and they believe that he is who he says he is, but they have not put their belief, their faith is not in God. Uh, just as someone who has not, quote-unquote, trusted Jesus Christ the Savior. Notice the word trust. So uh, putting their trust, their faith, their belief in Jesus Christ, placing it wholeheartedly in him. And we'll see uh, those things as we uh, move forward. But Josh and Dad, let me let me ask you a question. So, Dad, uh, this this verse here. Verse 10, just look at verse 10. What does a person need to confess in verse 10? I think he needs to confess his faith in Christ. Okay. Uh, are, are you uh, are you considering the context of what's being said here? I know he wrote to the church, right. but he was brokenhearted in chapter 10, 11 as well for his own people. Right. And they were going about to establish their own righteousness, <clears throat> and that being in the law, trying to keep the law. And so... Verse number 10, for the heart man believeth. I think key to understanding, and I grew up like you did, and I taught some of the things that you're talking about the same way early on in my ministry. Uh, The Romans Road. But I think the key to that is that we come to the Lord as a child, in a childlike faith. And once we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus for what he has done, uh, because I think we have to believe in his death, burial, and his resurrection, it was uh, as part of the gospel. I think had he came, lived, died, that would not have been enough to save us. Can you agree? Yeah. That, that his resurrection is the <clears throat> capstone of our salvation in believing that, but that too, the faith of a child, once every individual, including myself, we began as just uh, babes in Christ. And so with that thought in mind, there's not a whole lot about what we have done that we fully understand. And uh, I'm not sure that there's a lot that the disciples even understood at the time. And so with the heart, I would I would just put the question out there. Was he talking about the heart? He's not talking about the physical pump within our body. Surely he's not talking about that. And was, uh, he said, and uh, King James says, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The heart here, I don't think, is that physical part, but the mouth, I think, is that physical part of a human being. Uh, but then the end comes into thinking, there's someone else here who can't speak. Uh, they may know sign language. They may not know sign language. They may know how to write that down. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. They may not know how to write that down, depending on what part of the world that you're in. But so there is the element that I see there is a, a divine interaction that is taking place. It, uh, we understand that we need Christ as our Savior. How to go about doing that? 
you're going to hit on some of that thing when you discuss different people uh, with uh, their testimonies or even the lack of a a uh, verbal testimony that they're now trusting Christ as their Savior. So we're looking at biblical salvation, and I am so thankful that we're doing this, and I'm thankful for the people who could be listening today because isn't it true? True with me. I'm sure it is with you too as well. Eternity is coming for all of us, every one of us. And people who don't know Christ as their Savior, that's a dreaded thing that I think about people in the condition and standing before Christ, standing before God without him being their Savior. And so verse number 10 to me simply said, but with the heart, that is the uh, the depth of the inner man, the, where all the decisions for life are made. I don't, I don't think heart there necessarily means the consciousness of man or the mind of man. I think it's even more to it than that. But the, the believeth unto righteousness. Um, many people going about other ways to try and establish their own righteousness. But for me, for you, I've heard you say it already. There's none righteous. No, not one. Not us. Not me. I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of sin. And I often, all the time, thank God for his grace, mercy, and peace that he provides for me. I don't know whether that answers your question or not, but that's what's on my heart. No, that that's good. Uh, if I can, real quick, um, Dad, thanks first for for jumping into uh, Romans three. Uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> Romans three uh, twenty three is a verse that's used a lot in the Romans road, uh, and it it reads out of ESV: "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." So it's just real simple. And again, the Romans Road will often teach, you know, you, they, you have to get a person lost before they can become saved. And I, that's, that's bad. That's actually bad theology uh, because we're all lost. They don't have to get lost. And, and it's not an intellectual understanding that they need a Savior that draws them to Christ. We've already learned that. It's the Holy Spirit that draws them to Christ. So... <clears throat> um, I, I used to, uh, I've, I've been trained in a few different programs to share the gospel. Uh, one of them that I, that I liked uh, is a conversational tool. And uh, it was developed by a, a pastor out of uh, Florida. And uh, it's, it asks two questions at the beginning of the conversation. And first, before you ask the, the questions, you have to earn the right to ask the questions. So you can't just go up to somebody and blurt out uh, these things. You need, you need to develop a conversation with the person. And then you work the questions, you work these elements into your conversation. But the two questions that they try to train you to, ha- to ask early is you ask them, there's two questions I like to ask people. Can I ask those questions of you? Then most people say, sure. You say, so if you died today, are you certain that you'd go to heaven? Or would you say that's something you're still trying to work out? And then, you know, 90, 90, 95% of people go, yeah, no, if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Because most people, at least in America, identify as a Christian or as a morally upright individual. They're not bad. They're not in prison. They're, they haven't committed any crimes. They haven't killed anybody. So they, they think they're not too bad. But then the follow-up question, the second question is, so once they say, yeah, no, I'd die. And if I died, I'd go to heaven. Okay, good. So if you did die today and you find yourself standing at the pearly gates and you meet God at the pearly gates and he asks you a question, why should I allow you into my heaven? What's your answer? And then this is where you begin having a truthful conversation about their, their spiritual state. So, Dad, let me ask you this question. Let me ask you a question, too. If you died today and you found yourself standing at a pearly gate and 
you met God there, and and He asks you, "Why should I allow you into my heaven?" What's your answer? I uh, I would have to tell him because your Son Jesus Christ died for me, and I put my trust and faith in Him, and it's all by His amazing grace that I am saved here today. Nothing I've done, everything He did, and I'm not sure that I'd even say that. I'm probably speechless. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, he already knows, you know. I mean, I know. I, yeah, I know. Yeah. But it's, it's like Peter. Is, do you love me? And he's like, you know, I do. And the, the third time, he's kind of like, irritated. <laughs> you know, I do, <laughs> Josh. Um, What's your answer? As Paul said, that uh, you know, I, I would probably be speechless. But if I think that if if I did come or if I did say anything, it would probably be, Lord, you know my heart. Um, uh, yeah, you you know what I what I trust in, and I, I trust in Jesus, and that's uh, you know it, that's the gift that you've given to me. Um, it's the um, you know, and and you you know my heart better than I know my heart. We uh. I, we've been to Israel twice. I, I've been to Israel twice. That's what have you been to Israel? Five, six five, times now? Five times. Five times. So <clears throat> on my first trip with dad and mom, I was actually going through this training at the time. I'm sitting at a table with three other professing Christians. We're we're on a faith based tour of Israel and we're having dinner. And I'm sitting at a table with three other people, and I'm talking. I'm actually telling them about the training I'm going through in the program and how fascinating it is. And I said, and there's two questions. So can I ask you these two questions? They said, sure. I went around the table and asked the, the three other people. One of them uh, honestly told me, he said, I, I don't want to answer that question. I said, oh, okay. I found that odd, but that's fine. And, and I wasn't going to push it. The, uh, there was another gentleman at the table. I asked him, you know, I went to him and I said, so what's your answer to this question? If God asked you, why should I let you in my heaven? He, he started listing off all the things he does for the church and all the money that he's been given. And he, he starts listing all these things out. And I, I looked at him and I went, okay, uh, no, interesting answer. And I looked at his wife and I said, what would your answer be? She immediately started crying. And it was so sweet. Because she looked at me and she said, I've never thought about that question. She said, the truth is, I don't deserve to go into heaven. She said, there's nothing I've ever done that's worthy of me getting into heaven. She says, the only hope I've got is that I've trusted what the Bible tells me, that Jesus Christ is my Savior. And she said, I've trusted that and, and nothing more. She said, so if it's based off what I've done, I don't deserve it. And it, she's sitting there just tears streaming out of her eyes. And I'm sitting there thinking, the man sitting next to you, and, and and you came out of the same church, and uh, just it, it amazes me that two people so close to one another could be so far apart spiritually. And he was trusting his works, and then I just I continued the the conversation from that point forward, and I said, "Can I tell you about the rest of the training?" Yes, and I laid out the gospel. And then I looked at all three of them and said, would you like to pray and accept Christ as Savior? No. Okay, great. <laughs> like, I had the guy who gave me the works answers went, yeah, no, I'm good. It's like, okay. <laughs> so, so that's, listen, that's, that's like we talked last week. You put your fish in, you put your, your lure in the water, you, you throw the line in, you, you play with it. You catch one. Great. If not, that's okay. You know, uh, uh it's we catch them, he cleans them. So, you know, he gives us the opportunity to be involved in catching them, but uh, that's okay if we don't. That's that's not, uh, you know, it, I, I continue to pray for that individual and uh, and I look forward someday seeing him in heaven that that Christ, that the Holy Spirit would have drawn his heart and that uh, it would have happened at the right time and he would have heard the the gospel, and he would have accepted Christ as Savior. So as we continue looking at the Romans Road in, uh, you know, uh, we talked about 323. Can, oh, go ahead. Can we deviate for just one second? I want to back up what, yeah. what you said um, with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. 
Um, the yeah. IV says, uh, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not by from yourself. It is a gift from God, uh, not by works, so that no one can boast. Right. That's right. And, and it, read that again, Josh. Read the, read the first half of it for me. <clears throat> for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Right. So formulaic. It's it's by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. So it, this, I, I am I am wholeheartedly a believer that that there is very little that's that I have done to accept Christ. And and when you when you get into this concept of grace, in which Paul begins to teach about. You know, it's the the gift of God through Jesus Christ. It, it is this grace that's been imparted to us that we can be, that we can accept Christ as Savior, and through that acceptance, we we become uh, joint heirs, co heirs with Jesus Christ. We now ourselves become sons of God. And so I don't want to get crazy. We're not elevated to some higher plane. We're still human. We still have to struggle with flesh, but. We are joint heirs, and we now have that father-son, that father-daughter relationship with God. And uh, whereas before he was creator, now he's father. So, but in in Romans 3, another verse that's uh, often used is uh, Romans 3.10. And I'm looking at the wrong tab here. Romans 3.10, we're getting it. I got it. Um, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Yeah, this is what Dad was referencing earlier when he said there's none righteous, not even one. And, uh, you know, a lot of people like to come back to this and, and point at, you know, Jesus. Well, Jesus was, you know, he's, he's somebody. is he born human, so he can't be righteous, right? Eh, yeah, no, go back and study. Because uh, he is the righteous son of God. He was without sin. He was without blemish. He lived a perfect life. Uh, Romans 5, let's jump over there real quick. And I am negligent that I don't have it up. Uh, just click this twice. I'll be over in 5. There's 4. There's 5. And Romans 8, 5, 8, excuse me. Um, but God showed his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, and again, I've got that memorizing KGV. KJV. It says, uh, "For God showed His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us." Is that right? That's uh, commanded. Yeah. God, God commanded, God commanded His, love, his love toward us. <clears throat> the rest of it, you got right. Yeah. And well, says, "But God demonstrated His own love for us in this: while we were still sinners, Christ died for us." And, and okay. isn't that fascinating? I you love know, that. It, I like that. While we were still sinners, right? I like right. that. We were still sinners, and Christ died for us. Well, something else I like, and I, I'm stealing this from Dad. Uh, Dad talked about a. Ch- I heard a sermon Dad preached one time talking about a sermon, uh, or talking about a, ch- a children's song. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. But what's fascinating is, if you really read this, it's God who loves you. It's it's God who showed his love toward us. And, you know, Christ died for us. Christ loves us. That's apparent. That's that's evident. Because no, it, here it is, Memorial Day. We're recording this on Memorial Day. There's a verse, um, somebody can help me with reference. It says, no greater love hath any man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. So Jesus Christ laying down his life for us is evidence of love greater than anyone else could could. Uh, do and and all of us have been in the military, so we understand, you know, those who would get in the foxhole with us and fight a common en- enemy, and how that uh, they are willing to lay down their life for us. That is a testament of their love for us. We being in the foxhole with them is a testament of our love for them. But what's fascinating is when you read scripture, it's God who loved us even though Christ died. Christ died because of his Father's command. Christ was obedient to death. 
Christ willfully went, but it was God who sent him. Christ died on the cross, but it's God who put him there. Um, it's, you know, this cosmic child abuse that you'll hear as people get into this topic. Um, if you divorce God from Jesus Christ and you make them totally independent one from another, then you could look at a descendant of God being abused. But when you look at a biblical understanding of theology as we have recently, and you see the combination of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, it's God through Jesus Christ the Son that laid down his life for us. It's God who gave himself for us through his Son, Jesus Christ. So it is... We, as I'm reading here further in in five ten, you know, uh, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now than we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life? So, Dad was talking earlier about, you know, if Christ came and just died, His death was payment of sin. But the 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 beautiful thing that we have is the the ability to live life abundantly. We, we, have, uh, we have eternal salvation. We have eternal life because we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ because of his death on the cross, but it is his resurrection from the grave that gives us abundant life. It gives us the ability to live a separated life. It gives us the ability to be his disciples and live a life that is representative of his life where we can be Jesus to other people. So it is through those things. Now I've been talking too much, gentlemen, any, any comments, any thoughts? That reference you're looking for is John 15, um, 13, the greater love (laughs) has no man than this to lay down his life for one of his friends. I think you're spot on. Um, the, there, there is one additional, uh, no, we've already covered that. Um, no, I mean, I think I think you're right on. It's uh, um, you know, it, it, it's my it's my belief that that other than the willingness to accept it, salvation doesn't have anything to do with us. Um, we we simply need to to to, to be willing to accept it. I, I hate to use an, a a tired and exhausted um, parable, but um, it's the the uh, the parable of uh, modern day parable of uh, of of people waiting. For, for a check that's not going to come, um, that, yeah. that somebody's already paid for it. And you can sit there and wait all you want to. Um, it doesn't change the fact that, that um, the, the check's already been paid for. The, the price has already been paid. We can either accept it and, and, um, and through so have faith and, and live through Christ, or we can, we can deny it and, and continue to live our, on our own accord. And, uh, and I can tell you from experience that doesn't work out. Hey, thank you, Josh. That's wonderful. And uh, Dan, I appreciate everything that you've been saying. It sure puts things in perspective for those that are listening, especially those who are seeking to know Christ as their Savior, to understand that there's not anything, as Josh has said, humanly speaking, that we can do other than put our trust in Christ and what he has said. I think one of the... mm, I think one of the main things today <clears throat> is just to believe the word we're seeing, uh, the word of God challenged more than we ever have. We've seen criticized more in these days and uh, <clears throat> made light up, belittled. And so uh, uh, for those who would come to a saving knowledge, they have to understand that the word of God is his word is and that he has done that. As far as Jesus, I appreciate what you said about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all three of them involved in bringing us to Christ. And uh, it was uh, God's plan from the beginning that his Son would come, redeem mankind through his death, burial, resurrection. And uh, just as uh, those who were mocking him at the cross if you really be the Christ, why don't you save? You know, you saved others. Why don't you just come down, save us? 
maybe the thieves were involved in that as well. But it was uh, <clears throat> the fact is that he died for the sins of all mankind. And then he he had the power. I think you'd agree. He had the power to come off the cross, had in mind to, but he loved us more. And then he also had the power for resurrection himself. But Scripture more than one time says, God the Father, it's much like Abraham, I'm putting Isaac <clears throat> in reading the book of Hebrews, where he actually, in his heart, he had sacrificed Isaac. Of course, we know Genesis 22 that he did not. A ram was provided for that sacrifice. But it's much, much like that Jesus was the sacrifice, God the Father. He, uh, <clears throat> he had it all in mind to save the world. And then at his death and his burial, it was uh, God himself, just like you said. But God, I like what you said. I, I had never, I've read that many times, quoted it many times, even from preaching. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right. Uh, I never had really thought about it being God, but then again, it is God who raised his son from the dead. Jesus had the power to do it, but he, he, God himself did it. You you and I both are old. Yeah. Uh, but you are older. I'm almost certain I got that from you. <laughs> so you say you... See, that's the fun thing about getting old. You do things over, and it's no experience every time. That's, that's, that's exactly you, you right. Read, you read something, it's like, never read that before. <laughs> I've read it a hundred times. never read that before. Oh, it's a fun trip around here, me and all of She claims to be younger than I am, but it's only about two years. It's fun. Yeah. It's a lot. Sometimes hilarious. She's <laughs> laughing today at something I did, and I thought she's having a heart attack. It was so funny. <laughs> so uh to to close out the Romans Road piece and then and we're gonna shift gears uh for the rest of this episode and, and I wanna talk about uh, a few examples of people who interacted with Jesus and then, then ask us collectively uh what evidence we see in that interaction that they may have become quote unquote Christians, that they may have quote unquote become saved. So, uh, but the Romans wrote, there's, uh, what, what I wanted to highlight is the, the model that, that's often taught in the Romans wrote. And, and again, this sounds like I'm being critical of Romans wrote. I'm not. Listen, any, any methodology you've got for sharing the gospel of, of Jesus Christ with anyone, use it. Uh, you know, the, the, the thing is to share that gospel and give them the opportunity to make a decision. But granted, bear in mind, you shouldn't press them into making a decision because that's not your job. Amen. Your, your job is to, is to put the bait in the water. You trust <clears throat> the Holy Spirit to lead them to bite. So <clears throat> you, uh, you, you make the gospel sound clear, simple, and sweet. That's all you need to do. And then your job's done. And then the Holy Spirit we'll do the rest. So as, as uh, verse scripture, dad, you, you were quoting it earlier, you know, some, some plant, some water, but the spirit provides the increase. So, but uh, our, our job, you know, we get to be in the delivery room. That's it. <clears throat> we're not even the doctor. So uh, we just get to observe. So, uh, but bear in mind uh, when it comes to confessing, you know, it's it's often been taught that you need to confess your sins. It, it, that's that's actually not in Scripture as for salvation. So there's no need to confess your sins to become a, a, a to accept Christ as Savior. You just need to believe, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Here's here's what's neat. He already knows all about your sin. That's the reason he died on the cross. So. He knows about your sin, what you've done up to this moment. He knows what you've done beforehand. He knows what you did 10 minutes ago. He knows what you're going to do for the rest of your life between Amen. now and the grave. He knows all about that. And when you trust him with salvation, then he, he's he got it. You don't need to confess every sin you've ever done. Plus, We'll get into sanctification later, a little different than salvation. Sanctification is related to Christians. 
not sinners. So salvation is for sinners. And what's great is I I can honestly say I'm a sinner saved by grace because, as we'll get into it later, I've accepted Christ as my Savior, but I sure do hate being alive in this flesh because I struggle with sin on a regular basis. And, And we'll talk more about that later. But as we shift gears out of this, there's some examples as you go through the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You look at these four books of the Bible. They tell you about the, the life of Jesus Christ, and there are people that he interacted with. So the, the one I'd like to start with, if you don't mind, is a lady that came to a well. And you can find her story in John 4. And she came to a well in the middle of the day, in the hot part of the day, which was culturally uncommon because... Uh, most women would come during the cool of the day. That would be ideally in the morning so that they could walk to the well, they could draw the water, then they could walk back to town because often the well was some distance outside of town. It was not in the town. So they would um, they would walk out to the well, they would put their pitchers into the water, they would draw the water out, and then they would carry this now heavy pitcher back to their homes in the town. So this method, you don't do this in the heat of the day because it's miserable because now you carry a pitcher out there. It's empty. You put water in it. It's, it's very heavy. So, uh, so now you got to carry this heavy pitcher filled with water all the way back home and avoid the temptation of drinking it. So, cause you're hot and thirsty on the way back to the house. So this woman comes in the middle of the day and as she does, she meets Jesus and they have this fascinating dialogue. And if, if you'll bear with me, I'll, I'll read through it quickly. And uh, John chapter 4, verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Now, you know, Jesus is waiting. He's sent his disciples into the nearby town to get food. And he's uh, waiting for them at this well. He's just hanging out, relaxing a little bit. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink where his disciples had gone away in the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So I, I like that he just turns on his professional athlete and starts talking about himself in third-person pronouns instead of saying me. So it's, it's kind of interesting. Then the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. So Jacob had dug the well, and they've been drinking from it for these several hundred years. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water (laughs) to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty to have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had, for you have had five husbands, and one, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have <laughs> said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming uh, when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. 
the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking to a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town, said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I have ever done. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. I know that's a lot that I've read. I just wanted to read the entire account and his conversation with this lady. So I, I love this story because here is a woman, quote unquote, of ill repute. She has a she has a poor reputation. So she comes to the well in the middle of the day to avoid other people because she doesn't want to be criticized. She doesn't want to be condemned. And in her attempt to avoid other people, she finds somebody. And she finds somebody she wasn't expecting to find at the well. And through their conversation, she realizes who he is. So let me ask you, gentlemen, after she realizes who he is, do you see evidence in what we just read that she accepted Christ as her Savior? Oh, absolutely. So where do you see that evidence, John? And what she did afterwards. I mean, we can talk about the fruits of the Spirit later on, but the 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 you know as far as what um, you know her immediate reaction was was to and and to to be kind of outcast from the rest of society for her to to give that up and and to go and tell everyone that that there's this man and he told me everything that he did and I thought he was maybe like a a prophet or something and I was getting blasted about something but then he told me that you know. We we don't have to. There we're we're we can worship just as much as the people in Jerusalem can. We're we're no longer outcasts. Just like I'm no longer an outcast, our people are no longer outcasts. I, I like what it says in King James, Dan, where it says in verse number twenty-eight, the woman then left her water pot and uh, went her way unto the city and saith to the men. And a uh, question being raised, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. He said, who were those men? Could it be some of the ones that had been her husband's, the ones she's with now, uh, being a man? <clears throat> and um, uh, she, I think her her question was one of affirmation more than it was uh, inquisitive, that uh, she had uh, determined that uh, she wanted some of this living water that he offered and uh, that uh, she uh, knew him to be the Christ. And um, as far as kneeling down, saying a sinner's prayer, nothing's ever happened like that for her. Right. <clears throat> but uh, it was where the heart man believeth unto righteousness, maybe in her heart with him saying what he did about the husband she had. And he was he was just saying, <clears throat> he was just uh, saying what he did based upon what she had already said. I don't have a husband. And she said, "Oh, oh I know that you've had <laughs> five, <laughs> and the guy you're with now, he, he ain't your husband." Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? And uh, can you imagine the conviction that she felt? Then saying, "Oh, you must be a prophet." And then she goes on to say, "Our fathers, they, you know, they they said." <clears throat> they worshiped in the mountain, and ye say that Jerusalem is the place that where men ought to worship. And he and he explained on his own some of the things that she has said. And she's he's he's telling her in verse number twenty four that God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so I'm not sure, you know, as a child, like faith, maybe she had at that point because she certainly went back, and she wasn't a at that time, I don't think she was embarrassed to face anybody with what she had just went through. It's not this, the Christ. And so, I don't know. Look, look at look at that change, though. Is it? Yeah. She came. She came to the well by herself in the middle of the day to avoid people. 
But after her interaction with Jesus Christ, she runs back to town telling everybody. Yes. And then something else I I love right there in that that verse 28, I I think your KJV uses a different expression. I think you said water pot. Yeah. uh, She left her water jar. She left her water pot at the well. Yeah. She didn't even finish her task. Yeah. She just took off, hightail it back into town, grab people. Come on. You got to see this fellow. And then ask the question, can this be the Christ? Can this be the Messiah? So it's, it's it, we talk about, you know, with the heart man believeth under righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You brought up an interesting thought I, I hadn't thought about. You know, some people could take that as such a literal translation, translation that if someone was mute and they were unable to speak, that they can't be saved because they can't confess with their mouth. But, and you, you brought up that point, which, uh, you know, it's, I had never thought about that. And, and I'm not saying you were saying that either. You just, you were postulating on, you know, although it's physically your mouth, what if you can't speak? Well, here's evidence. She, she spoke, but she also, her actions, it, it, she was, she was such a stark contrast. Plus, she was already going back and saying, hey, come see a man who tells me everything about me. Surely this must be the Messiah. Yeah. Hey, this is an evangelist friend of mine that's already in heaven. And what he said about that, he said the reason she left her in King James water pot, he said, you don't need a water pot when you're standing in the middle of a well. Right. <laughs> when, when you got a well of everlasting boiling up from inside of you. That's exactly right. So... Uh, for the sake of time, if you gentlemen don't mind, I'm, I'm going to skip forward. And uh, if it's okay with you, I've, Josh, can we go a little long just so we can hit a couple more? Yeah, that's all me. Okay. So this this may affect our recording time. but um, And those of you who are listening to the podcast, thank you for your endurance for uh, continuing to listen. Uh, in Luke 23, we talked about this several weeks ago. When, uh, when we were around Easter, we were talking about the uh, crucifixion of Jesus Christ. There's, an, ind- there's an, uh, an interesting person I'd like to look at here in the story. Uh, we can find him down in verse 39 of Luke 23. And this uh, individual I want to talk about is the thief on the cross. So in verse 39 talks about, and and we commonly refer to him as the thief on the cross. It's one of the criminals, uh, one of the criminals who were hanged, railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourselves, save yourself and us. But the other criminal, I'm adding that word, rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. So my question for you simply is this, was the thief on the cross saved? Yeah, my answer, yes. Absolutely. So what, what do we see? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Where, what, what evidence do we have here of his belief? Mm, just this declaration. Okay. So with the mouth, he confessed <laughs> that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. And then he rebukes the other, the other thief for... For the blasphemies that he's he's committing. Uh, there's other scriptures in the gospels too that implies that he was the same as the other thief. At one point, he was saying the same things about Jesus, and then all of a sudden, he says, "Jesus, Lord, remember me when Thou comest into Your kingdom." And so, okay. something happened in his heart, or where the heart man believeth. So I don't know. I don't know. What to, but yes, I believe you'll say. So, uh, do you, Dad, you bring up an interesting point. And 
and I'm not prepared with those references, but uh, there are other Gospels of this same account that talks about both thieves, those that were hanging with him, how that they both, that they rebuked him, that they mocked him just as the crowds did. You see evidence here in uh, in John, I'm sorry, in Luke 23, how that one of them is is uh, is mocking Jesus. Uh, and then uh, if, if it's correct that they both did, which I, I believe that that's shown in other scriptures, as Dad said, something changed. What's fascinating is if you look at the example we just had, the woman at the well, something changed. So it was the change of their belief. It was, it was some moment where in his self he went, I get it. I get it. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. And then he says to him, and which, as I, as I talked about several weeks ago, his faith here is fascinating to me. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's watching a man die, but he sees beyond that that death. He sees beyond that mortality. He sees beyond that moment. Maybe, as Dad said earlier about the woman at the well, a childlike faith. Maybe not fully comprehending what that means, but he has he has he has been told that the Messiah uh, would return, that the Messiah would come into his kingdom, and then uh, the Jewish people in the Jewish tradition, it is taught that the Messiah will approach from Olive, and as he does, there is a huge Jewish cemetery on Mount Olive because as the Messiah approaches, all of the dead shall rise. So he looks at him and goes, wow, you are the Messiah. So when you come into your kingdom, remember Mm -hmm. me. One thing too, one thing too, son, is he heard everything that Jesus had said up until this point from the cross and everything that Jesus had said was with was divine compassion, even though he was suffering. Uh, just like the two thieves were just suffering. I'm sure that they had been scourged as well, and, and they were suffering. But he, Jesus, was he had become sin so that we could be made righteous, and he was suffering, um, I, you know, I don't know, rejection by his father. My God, my God, where are, you know, why have you forsaken me? And so the thief, the thief, I don't know exactly at what point, but he had heard, and there was hours, you know, from the time that they got to the cross and crucified, hanging there before death came. There was hours, and so he witnessed everything, not only that Jesus was saying, but he witnessed the centurion. Maybe he watched him some. Maybe he watched others who were standing afar off from the cross. Uh, you know, no, what I, we, no way that we can know other than what we read in the scripture of anything that was going through his mind. He will ask him someday. Yeah. Won't that be a blessing? Go down by yes, the river and, and ask have, him. Yes, sir. Then yeah, he has Jesus' declaration to him that today he would be. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So that's, that's the confidence I have that the thief was. Saying. That's a promise. That's a promise. And he yeah. left. all of his promises are, yeah, yeah. yeah. If today, not tomorrow. Today. Uh, today. Yeah. I think it's amazing that we talked about um, John 3 last week um, and the conversation that Nicodemus had with, with Jesus. And uh, in that conversation, he said, um, I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then can I speak to you of heavenly things? And for Nicodemus, for, for a, a, a studied scholar and, and somebody that was not only still learning himself, but was teaching everybody else. Um, he, he didn't fully understand this, this side of, of, um, of Christ, of the Messiah. Um, yet this, this, you know, this, this th- center on a cross on the cross understood it within the conversation that they were having. So, I mean, as, as we should be, you know, continuing to better un- or to better our understanding of scripture there's no amount of understanding that can that can substitute from the the uh, the the understanding that that um, God gives us uh, that that we need that God gives to us. Amen. That's right. So, uh, Josh, you're you're talking about uh, Nicodemus. So, if we can 
jump over to John 19 real quick. And it's 38. I've got later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took away the body. And then 39? He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. All right. So um, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. Clearly here it says that Joseph was a disciple of Jesus. We can assume that Nicodemus was, was a disciple or becoming a disciple as well. But we see Nicodemus's actions as he's with Joseph of Arimathea. But notice Joseph 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 of Arimathea uh, was a secret disciple of of uh, Jesus because he was fearful of the Jewish leaders. So Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus were both members of the Sanhedrin, but they were fearful of their peers. They were fearful of the priests, the high priest, uh, so that they came privately to do those things. But as we can see in, in John's account of this situation, word got out that Joe and Nick had been involved. So I'm sure at that point, socially, they were scrutinized from that point forward. They, they were probably blackballed. Uh, and, and those are assumptions. That's not in Scripture. But uh, do you know but if, they took ri- they took risks? Do you know if Josephus ever talks about this at all? No, Josephus is yeah. Everything that we've heard in our tours, what little I've read, Josephus refers to Christ as a uh, religious leader and a rabbi. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, not, sure I'm, I'm not talking about his or, his faith. I'm just talking. About, I'm I'm thinking no. about uh, Nicodemus and. And Joseph sure. Arimathea, if he if he had any account of them following after yeah, Josephus was a secular historian, and uh, I don't think he got into any of the disciples' lives to whether it would have included uh, Nick or Joe. So, uh, but what I wanted to highlight here is. You know, we know of Nicodemus's uh, conversation with Jesus. We got into that last week in John 3. And then in John 19, we can see the actions of Nicodemus. So we can assume that Nicodemus was a believer in Jesus Christ. We, we see that Joseph of Arimathea was. So, uh, Dad, any thoughts on Nicodemus? No, not so much more than what you've already said, that it does. Said to being a disciple, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, there were many disciples. Uh, the disciples were the ones he had chosen. Plus, I think it's in John 6, there were many disciples, thousands of them, just as you and I would be considered to be disciples of the Lord. And so, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews. I don't know why he feared the Jews. Uh, There's nothing that really, you know, speaks to that in the scripture that they, they wanted the body of Jesus, him and Nicodemus both. I I, I, I see what, let me see what he said, Pilate. He besought Pilate. So I guess, was it, was it just Joseph who, went after the body of Jesus, and then Nicodemus helped to anoint that body? Uh, well, we just read 19. <clears throat> what does KJV say in, uh, in John 19 through 43? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I should say 38 through 42. Sorry. Right, right. And 
And uh, there came also Nicodemus, okay? Okay, he came therefore and took the body of Jesus, and there came also Nicodemus. So verse 39 does include Nicodemus. It seems as if he does anyway, along with Joseph. Right, verse 40. Uh, So read verse 40. They took the body of Jesus. Right. They. They being plural, and so it was both of them. Okay, clear. That's good. Good, good. So we we can assume that Nicodemus uh, was saved, that he became a believer in Jesus Christ uh, as the Messiah. So, gentlemen, it's uh, we've gone <laughs> we've gone ten minutes longer. I've still got several things to uh, discuss. So, if you don't mind. Uh, let, let's wrap it up right here. But but next week, um, as we get together, I'd like to uh, continue looking at some other examples of uh, of individuals in the Gospels. Uh, so, I, to, to last person at the crucifixion, I'd like to talk about the centurion and his statement in Matthew twenty seven. I'd like to go to John eight and talk about the adulterous woman, the woman who was caught in adultery. Fascinating to me is they never talk about the man. So, what little I understand, I don't think you can do adultery by yourself. Usually, it takes two people. But, um, but she was brought before Jesus, and then uh, Luke seven, the the woman who wept over Jesus' feet and cleaned them with her hair, like to look at her, and then finally, uh, a couple of different gospel references to the paralytic who was lowered through a ceiling, through a roof, down in front of Jesus, and. Uh, that interaction so uh but we'll do that next week um and then pick up from there and uh just before we close out i want to clarify something that was said earlier um in the podcast we talked about you the uh there there not being a need uh for confession of sins um first john uh one nine um points to just play devil's advocate here for a little bit um points to something a little bit differently and then i want to explain you know what my thoughts are on it um but first john 1 9 says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all right unrighteousness so that's typically the verse that people take to talk about um confession of sins what i want to do is put that into a little bit of context here um john um seems to be talking to believers at this point um, he talks to, uh, just before this, he says, um, uh, talks about us walking in light and, and being open and truthful. And so I, I think that it's, it's not, um, you know, it's, it's not a relational thing, um, for, for the, the, the confessing that he's talking about, but a familial type of, um, relationship that we, we already have that, you know, when when we're not open and honest with God, we're not only lying to ourselves, but we're um, we're we're making a lie out of Him. He's, um, you know, for Him to whenever we say we have no sin, that's not true. Um, we we still need to to be open and honest about our whether we believe or not about our our sin in our own lives. Um, you know, even though they're forgiven, they're still there. Josh, that's that's the exact reference we were going to use when we get into if a person is saved, do they quit sinning? So as, as you get into First John, you learn that no, no, you don't quit sinning. And uh, but the good news is, as Josh was reading First John one nine says that uh, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to yeah. cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess those sins. Yeah. So and, and and Josh, you mentioned the word relationship and. That's uh, happens when you trust Christ as your Savior. That particular uh, verse that you pointed out has to do with our fellowship with God. I think we can we can hurt that fellowship with God, and so we're still we're still children. We'll get into that later, though. Okay, yep. all right. So, gentlemen, thank you for your time. For our listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, I, I know this is this is taking a while, but but. Uh, I think it's a, a, imperative to understand what the Bible says about salvation. Yeah. So it's been, it's been wonderful.
Can we, can we pray for us? Go ahead. Okay. And just a quick, quick uh, prayer request. I've got a sure. uh, close um, family friend that's uh, his name is Arkelius, um, but uh, he uh, he's going through some things right now. And uh, just keep him in your prayers. Sure. Father, we bow before you in Jesus' name. Thank you for allowing us to talk about your son the way that we have and what he has done for us and what he's willing to do for any who will follow those uh, scripture references, the Holy Spirit's leading, the conviction, and come before him with that uh, broken heart, contrite spirit. Lord, thank you that we can pray two together uh, for Josh's friend. Meaning we, we, from time to time, go through ourselves things that we sure do appreciate others, family and friends who are lifting up us, us up in prayer. And so you know all about that. You know exactly what needs to happen. And I just pray that it happens soon, that it would bring about encouragement, it would bring about joy to the heart of one of your children. Thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for allowing Myself, Dan, and Josh, to study your word together. For me, it's enlightening, and I appreciate the, the things that I learned from the two of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're enjoying the Thanks to Calvary podcast, make sure to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thanks to Calvary. If you would like to reach out to us for prayer requests, ideas for future episodes, or just to say hi, message us on Facebook or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash thanks to Calvary slash message, or email us at thanks to Calvary podcast at gmail.com.